This is AutoLine Extra, available exclusively on the Internet. Here again is John McElroy. Welcome to this Internet-only discussion with Rebecca Lindland, the Director of Automotive Research at IHS Global Insight, with Keith Naughton from Bloomberg and Drew Winter from WardsAuto.com. And Drew, we've been talking about in the broadcast version, are people really going to buy small cars? And uh, what do you think? Are, are Americans really going to buy it? And let's look out down the road a decade or two. Well, I think you have to look at some of the demographic factors that are taking place in the U.S. and really globally, where populations in most of the major industrialized countries are aging. And I can tell you from my own personal experience as an aging baby boomer that there's an awful lot of people out there with SUVs and larger vehicles that are all done taking their kids to uh, soccer practice and to hockey practice and, and even moving them back and forth, their stuff back and forth to college. And now it's suddenly like, hey, a smaller vehicle, uh, that makes a lot more sense now. They're easier to park, and we can now put other toys in the garage, like a motorcycle or whatever. Um, and uh, I think you're going to see that's a pretty strong trend uh, at, at among a lot of factors. And, and they used to talk a lot about Gen Y coming in. I think Gen Y is broke, and, and they don't have any money to buy a new car. Well, and they would rather have a used car that's sexy than a new car that's square. But I, I do think there's going to be a lot of downsizing uh, among and, and not only for uh, lifestyle reasons, but also for financial reasons. Suddenly, again, you have this huge, this huge demographic bulge of baby boomers out there that have a lot less money than they thought they were going to have at this stage in but life. Our version of downsizing. Right. That's what, yeah, <laughs> you're not going to go from a Chevy Suburban to a Chevy Aveo. Right. You're going to stop somewhere in between. Right. The Chevy Malibu. Equinox. Or, or, or the, the, the Malibu. Right, right. There's so much in that middle now we've you know the, the thing is that before when we had all these crises whether it was a gas crisis or before uh, boomers came on board we didn't have crossovers so now you have this really nice vehicle that does a lot of really good things for you and when your kid does come home because they're going to come back and live with you again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly the boomerangs you got to have some room for them you know and then you've got the grandparents living longer so you do you know you're f and people buy for one and two times you know, well, one or two times a year when we go for Thanksgiving or Christmas or you know, whatever holiday, you know, we need seven people. So therefore, we need a seven-passenger vehicle. I can see something else happening, too, because if you look at CAFE, car companies are not going to be able to sell as many big vehicles as they did in the past because they've got to average this stuff all out. And I know it's attribute-based and all that. We don't have to get into right. that. But... What I see is to be able to get good fuel economy in these vehicles, we have to add, as we were talking about in the broadcast version, like Ford's doing with EcoBoost. You've got to go direct injection. You've got to yeah. go turbocharge. You've got to go dual-clutch transmission. That stuff's not free. So that means prices are going to go up. And because the big three no longer have to feed a jobs bank, you know, if sales are down, you lay people off. You don't just build cars because you've got to pay these guys anyway and then incentivize the cars. So incentives are coming down. So I see car prices doing nothing but going mm -hmm. up. And I think a lot of people are going to go, geez, I want that Malibu, but I can only afford a Chevy Cruze. Or I can maybe or only afford gonna, an Aveo. Or they're going to buy a used car. Or buy a used car. You know, but, or keep their car longer. Right. And, and Detroit's business case for ma finally making money on small cars is heavily content contented small mm -hmm. cars. They look at the Mini and they say, we can do that too. So we'll put Sync on and we'll put all these nice features on and we'll get people to pay more for small cars. Well, that's an unproven theory at this point. Yes, it is. I, I agree. But that's sort of the trend that's going in Europe. And yeah, I think we're going to follow exactly. Europe in that regard. And I, I think they are going to make some better small cars that people may want more. You know, they're not just going to be the, you know, the, the penalty the box boxes, that they, yeah. they used mm -hmm. to be. Here's another question. 
The big three have taken almost all their legacy costs out. They've gotten massive reductions in labor costs. The dollar is going like this against other currencies going down. Could the U.S. be an export base? I mean, the seven and a half million units of small cars that we that, talked about in the that, broadcast version are going in place. Right? <laughs> I mean, could the U.S. or North America North certainly America. become an export base and all of a sudden you can absorb this kind of capacity? Well, the more of those you build in Mexico, the more you can export. Well, but, right. but exactly. I just found out this fact today. You know what the largest exporter, the, the, the company that is the biggest exporter to non-NAFTA countries is? BMW. Their Spartanburg <laughs> plant is going great sure. guns. They're exporting X5s and X6s. 70% of that production there is going to China and non-NAFTA countries. Right. Mercedes has made their diesel, their diesel power plant at Vance for years. You know, and only now are we starting to see diesel engines here in the States. They've been exporting everything. Same so. with Chrysler. I mean, when Chrysler had uh, the, the Jeep diesel, what was that? Uh, the Grand no, the Patriot, oh, wasn't it? Yes. That had the diesel. They were, they were exp exporting. Yeah, they most of it. Here. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just nuts the, what we have with our, our diesel emission standards that are so much more expensive to meet than what Europe has. But, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, Chrysler's going to build the Fiat 500 in Mexico. Mexico, right. And, you know, I thought, these guys are nuts. There's no way they're going to sell a lot of those cars in the U.S. Well, they're not. They're going to export a lot of them to Brazil and other places in sure, Latin America. They're also going to come sure. with a sport version and a convertible version. Four-door version. And all right. these upmarket versions that they hope they can make money on. But right. what is a lot, too? You know, the Mini still is only in that 30, you know, mid-30s unit range. I mean, right. and that was sort of the iconic first car. So, you know, we look at our, at our Fiat 500 forecast, and we're like, 20, 25, you know, and they're outraged. We're like, look at the Mini, you know, or look at Smart. Right. You know, so there, there is, we haven't had a demand there yet. For small cars. First for those tiny Maybe little some. mini kinds of cars. Yep. Well, I think we all agree. It's the only way that the U.S. is going to buy a lot of these small cars is if gas prices go way up. Or taxation. Yeah. Well, or well, if they make some great, get them there. It's a long time mini owner. I can tell you if they make some good ones, we'll buy them. <laughs> oh, I had a mini too. I love it. Yeah. But they had some quality problems early on. I know, but you look really cute on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I kept telling myself <laughs> when I was there several times. <laughs> we ought to wrap this up. But again, Rebecca Lindland, thanks, thanks so, much so much for coming in. Keith Knott, and great having you representing Bloomberg and Drew Winter from Ward's Auto.